Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast, episode 115. But I think inevitably, for example, when I'm hiring people to work for me, um, technical skills are a given, aren't they? It is, it is your ability to have the right behaviours, empathy and feel for the environments you're in and the ability to make a difference. This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know, but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast. I'm Eric McMahon. Today, we're joined by David Joyce and Daniel Lewenden, co-editors of High Performance Training for Sport, second edition, which was released this year by Human Kinetics. Uh, David is joining us from Sydney, Australia. Great to have you with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Eric. A pleasure to be here. And Dan, you're in the UK right now. Awesome. Uh, we've had to we've had to work a couple time zones here just to get this uh, episode going. So nice to have you. Thank you, mate. Yeah, good to be here. So to get started, I wanted to give you each a chance to share your background in the field. Uh, then we'll dive into learning a little bit more about the book. Uh, David, start us off if you would. Lead us through your path into the profession. Sure thing. So I started off as a, a physiotherapist, um, uh, sort of Australia's version of a physical therapist come athletic trainer, I suppose, and had done a lot of work in, in pro sport. And, and what I had realized was I, I loved that because I loved the problem solving aspect of it, but it, it gave me an incomplete picture of what performance was. And a lot of my friends and colleagues were strength coaches in, in pro sport. And so I, I'm, I went down that route and sort of did all my qualifications and my master's degree and um, in strength and conditioning and, um, and really worked in that field through there. So I'd, I'd sort of started in, in elite sport before I became a, an SNC coach, which is a little bit different to what some of your listeners might, uh, might have experienced themselves. Um, but what I realised was that it gave me a much better picture of what actually performance was, whether, whether it was as, as a physiotherapist, like you're understanding the, the performance aspect of rehab and the like, or as a strength coach, understanding injury and injury risk. And I guess the last probably 12 to 15 years, I've been a performance director where I've, I've run sports teams and my, my, um, my remit, I suppose, has been to, to lead and to work with a group of strength and conditioning coaches, sports scientists, um, doctors, physios, physiologists, nutritionists and psychologists to maximise the, the performance of, of a, uh, an athlete or a group of athletes in, in a range of different sports around the world. And, and nowadays I'm probably a little bit less athlete facing and now doing a lot more stuff in, in sports strategy and decision making. So um, yeah, a, a bit of a, a bit of a, a different journey, I suppose, but um, one that's given me enormous number of opportunities. It's obviously led to us being able to connect today. That's great. Uh, Dan, I want to jump over to you. And uh, why don't you tell us about your path into the profession and also give us a, uh, let us know how you connected with uh, David initially as well. Oh, there's a story. Um, so I guess, yeah, my journey is pretty similar to Dave's, um, 20 years or so in elite sport background as a physical therapist, athletic trainer within the UK, uh, did a lot of work in rugby union, uh, to kind of club and international level. Uh, and a bit like Dave was interested in, 
I guess, elite rehab and the synergy between physical therapy, athletic training, conditioning, and really effectively preparing your athletes to go back and perform on the field. So as a result, did some um, some further studies like Joycey and S&C and exercise science. Um, and I guess that enhanced my ability to then work across that divide within the kind of health and performance space. Um, since then, again, similar to Joycey, I'm now a, essentially a performance manager. So my role is to be head of performance science and medicine for British tennis in the UK. Um, and essentially that's to lead and manage, again, a team of um, doctors, physios, nutritionists, psychologists, et cetera, across that kind of human health and performance and I guess also innovation space uh, within the UK. So, yeah, pretty similar to Dave. In terms of how we met, uh, we went back in 2003, I think, uh, at a course in the UK. Um, we had a few beers and, and got on well um, and kept in touch really closely. And, and our paths kind of crossed over at numerous points in the next couple of years. Uh, and I guess culminating in around about 2010, I think, Joycey, we, um, we met up at an England training camp when I was working for England Rugby. Again, had a couple of beers, had a bit of a chat. Um, and we set about this idea of what was missing in the, I guess, uh, S&C physio interface space. Um, and it was around the time, certainly in the UK, where directors of performance or performance leads became an interesting thought. Um, and I guess for us, there was two or three reasons that drove us to the first edition of the book, one of them being that synergy between health and human performance. Um, another being an unbelievable opportunity to try and grab hold of and connect to some genuine world-class experts and, and get them to write their stories for us, but also for the public. Um, and yeah, so we, we decided that'd be a really good idea. And, and now here we are some, some years later. That's great. I, I like that. What, what's missing, you know, approach to, and then it brings together the first edition of the book and just looking at the author list. I think it, one thing that jumps out to me is just so many different perspectives represented from chapter to chapter. Uh, I like that it covers a lot of the, uh, the pertinent topics and discussions that are uh, some of the challenging questions in the field today, you know, managing athletes from a mental standpoint, you know, we don't have all the answers there. We're still working through some of that. Uh, and even in chapter on working with youth athletes, which we, we don't always get a lot of experience, you know, those of us working in elite sport or, or high level sport, or even at the college level, uh, we don't always have a ton of experience working with youth athletes. So I really, I feel like you cover so many topics in this book, David, I want to give you a chance to speak to, you know, why was this book written uh, from your perspective and what was really uh, your inspiration for it? Well, similar to what uh, Dan just said, I think what, what we wanted to do was to, to learn about everything as much as we could and thought, well, we could just speak to all these amazing people and then felt that it was actually rather quite selfish to be able just to keep that within our our heads and we also felt that as Dan said that there was there was something missing a lot of textbooks were and still are written very academically which is great and we need that but what we wanted was like a user's guide an operating manual so if you had Stu McMillan and JB Marin come in to your organization to talk about speed 
this is what they would talk about. They're, they're not talking about all the academic studies, it's their view of it. And to that end, what we wanted to do was recruit the very best in the world. And <clears throat> Dan and I have been in this game for a very long time now, and we're lucky enough that many of these people are our friends. And so we're able to tap them. But also what we wanted to do was we came up with a skeleton of all the chapters that we wanted. And then um, if there was someone in that, in a particular chapter field or a domain that we didn't know, we reached out to our network or we just looked in our own sort of resources and said, said, well, who is the best in the world at this? And then we just, you know, approached them. And I guess the, the great thing about the, the first book being so successful and, and, you know, being translated in seven or eight different languages and, you know, it's, we're, we're just so fortunate that he's on the, the shelves of so many people it meant that the on-ramp to get authors the second time round was uh, even easier because people wanted to be associated with this because they, I think they, they see the value proposition for, for everyone. Um, so yeah, I, I guess that the ambition behind doing the second one, the, the first one was pure naivety. The, the second one was more about, uh, it, it, the, the, the first edition was probably four or five years old or something like that, Dan. And um, the, the publishers came to us and said, well, we want to do a second edition and and dan and i still had trauma um we had still had scars from the first one and we said well we're, we're actually not going to do something if it's just a small iteration of the first one because most most second editions as you know eric were are about a 30 percent change and you know they slap on a new cover and um put a cute few words in here and there and maybe a couple of different diagrams in the odd new chapter um Whereas Dan and I felt that if we were going to go to the well again and do something, because it's a big undertaking, we wanted it to be completely revamped in keeping with the way the uh, industry is evolving as well. So we said to the publishers, Human Kinetics, that we would only do it if we could effectively write a, a new book. And I think that the, the fact is that it's, it's about 80% different. There's 16 new chapters, 35 new contributors, because what we wanted was it to be, you know, engaging enough for us to work on. But more importantly, we wanted a, a really strong value proposition so that if you bought it, you wouldn't be disappointed by buying the second one. You'd actually go, oh, right, fantastic. This is, this is the same title, it's the same style, but it's a new book. And, and that's, how we, that's how we got to it. And, you know, we started it probably, I reckon, two and a half to three years ago now. And um, it's just, it's, it's fantastic to have it in the rearview mirror and on the shelves around the world. It's fantastic. Yeah. I, I, like I mentioned, I love how it goes. It has the traditional training topics, the strength training, the, the speed development, plyometrics, but uh, you know, looking at flexibility and mobility with Vernon Griffith. And we all know how outside the box a thinker he is in terms of the, the methods he's using to do that. So I, I really like how this, this book brings together sort of the old and the new in a way. And, uh, and, you know, it kind of brings me to the John Kiley chapter where he talks, talks about coaches should be zombie killers. And uh, that's the first, you know, we, we are reinventing terms for the coaching role all the time. I have never once heard of a uh, coach as a zombie killer. So I want to uh, ask you guys a little, Dan, we'll start with you. You know, what are some of the zombies that um, get tackled uh, by this book? 
some of the uh, maybe traditional views that maybe aren't as founded by uh, the the research today and just some of the uh, the findings that are out there? You know, what, what's your thoughts on that? Sure. Just just before I start, the um, the, the John Keeley chapter that you talked to, I'll never forget. I was sitting in a train station in in London, and John phoned me up and said, "Right, I'm going to do this chapter. It's going to be a bit different." And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, I'm going to talk about zombie killers. And I thought he was taking <laughs> yeah. a mick. And about three months later, he produced this chapter. And it's, I mean, it's um, its a wonderful chapter, isn't it? Um, but for me, I had to read it. I had to read it 15 times to get my head around it. Um, but yeah, I guess it's following on from Joycey a bit. I mean, there's, there's stuff there where this is part of our own personal journey as well. So I think eight or nine years ago, this was about the synergy between S&C and physio and best practice through the eyes of the coach, you know, real genuine wisdom from the best in the world. And I think if you transform that forward now, move forward now to the current day, it's more about the athlete and coach interface. It's more about how do you set the right conditions, the right environment to influence change, have the right behaviors and language to really make a difference to your athlete. Um, have the right ability to engage and work with stakeholders, either your own type of practitioners, S&C coaches, nutritionists, or across different disciplines. So I think it's kind of grown with us. Um, and I think for me that the, the, the biggest takeaway in terms of the new is it's much more about the how. You can have a lot of knowledge, as, as we all do, and a lot of kind of technical expertise. But unless you can grasp the softer skills, um, you know, you're never going to have the kind of influence and impact that you could. And and for me personally, I think that's that's the new. Um, I guess from a more technical perspective, clearly there's, as, as Joyce said, there's there's genuine wisdom in this, which is people who have been in the field for 20, 30, 40 years, um, giving their big story and, and their key takeaways to really influence kind of um, hopefully coaching practice on, on the floor. Um, and as a result, um, there's, there's some blended modern science. So, for example, I guess picking one out of the sky, if we looked at the nutrition for performance um, chapter, there's, there's a real blend there of, of high level modern academia around kind of physiological demands of sport and understanding that, um, of understanding energy demands and where it comes from. But equally, there's a great deal, as Joyce has said, of, of practical, how do you actually deliver this? Um, and some realities, because, you know, when you're working in the field, it's, it's not an academic environment. You know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's often down and dirty, isn't it? You've got limited time to make a difference. You've got athletes who've got competing priorities. You've got a match to win in three days time. Um, it's, I guess it's impressing the realities of how to deliver some of this stuff, which is um, for me, particularly important. David, I'll let you uh, kill some zombies as well here, but uh, <laughs> you know, do you, how do you, you know, how do you view uh, this book, you know, for, for the coaching community, uh, you know, on Dan's point, you know, there's a lot of experienced practitioners out there. What value uh, do you see this book for them? Uh, and, and also, you know, young and aspiring coaches that are just getting into the field. Well, when we look at what makes a successful coach, I think we can bucket into four main domains that every coach needs to to understand. So there is, um, there's knowledge in the first domain. That is all the stuff that we know, um, all the information that we've got, and there's no limit really there. Uh, but on top of that, as Dan said, you need to have the, the competencies 
to be able to translate that into, into action. Then we've got experiences and then you've got personal attributes. So uh, I think a well-rounded coach has uh, uh, elements of all four of those and can really target the area in which they're deficient as their, their primary area of self-development. And I guess where the, the playing arena that this book is, is in is, is definitely in the knowledge um, because there's no there's there's just so much information in here, um, and so we're we're definitely playing here, but the style in which it's written and the way we wanted it to come across was to translate uh, wisdom and experience of you know fifty professionals, you know the, all the mistakes they've made across their career, and into uh, you know into paper, um, so it's sort of fast tracking those experiences as well. But I guess that the main thing with this version that stands out as opposed to the first edition is that Dan and I really wanted to have what we call suspension chapters in there. So it's, it's not enough to know. So we've got a magnificent chapter about um, aerobic capacity with Martin Boucher and, um, and Paul Larson. So magnificent chapter you know, where we're just thro so thrilled to have them on board. But what we don't want to do is just have a bunch of chapters, which is about the X's and O's, because as Dan said, it's all about the how you can translate that, how you can effectively inform your practice and how you can influence. And so these suspension chapters, so we've got Nick Winkleman talking about coaching and queuing, which is one of the most remarkable chapters um, I've ever read in a sports text. We've got Brett Bartholomew talking about influence. We've got... Um, Sam Robertson and Jackie Tran talking about constructing the learning environment. So all of these things, which are traditionally not seen in, in sports textbooks, which tend to be a little bit more physiology and biomechanics heavy, what we've tried to do is, uh, Dan and I sat down and said, well, what are, I'll go back a step. So performance is an output of a complex system. What are the inputs into that? And it's not just the X's and O's and the physiologies and the biomechanics, they're important, but by themselves, they're not enough. So necessary, but not sufficient. So what are, what's the, the packing material? You know, what's the extracellular matrix to use a physiology term um, that, that actually brings all this together. And, and I think that's one of the main, main differences in this book, as opposed to the first one. You guys have mentioned the soft skills, the the communication, the collaboration, now learning, you know, learning theory. And, uh, you know, it's just something that comes to mind here in the U.S. If we go back a number of years, most strength coaches were coming from physical education backgrounds. And nowadays, we, most of us are coming out of exercise science or kinesiology programs and maybe aren't as founded in the pedagogy or anagogy of uh, instructional practices and techniques. Um, it's cool. We're here from three different continents. Uh, speak to the field a little bit, just from that perspective, because I think it's such an interesting realization of where we were to where uh, we are now here in the U.S. Do you see those same um, trends internationally? Yeah, certainly there's some commonalities there. Yeah. So I think even from a personal perspective, um, if I go back 23, 24 years when I was starting to work in sport, it was very much X's and O's for me. It was very much, you know, develop the knowledge um, to deliver the impact. Um, and I think 
naturally rather than on purpose being a physical therapist there's a great deal of um, patient interaction so you learn those softer skills intuitively as you get into the role um, I think had I hadn't if I hadn't had that grounding um, I wouldn't be as adept or empathetic in that space as hopefully I am today I think in terms of the, the kind of landscape in the UK I mean we you know we've as, as across the globe we've got some brilliant practitioners um, again on their journeys some of whom um, take a very uh, tertiary education route to developing their profession you know and they can do bscs or, or masters or you know uh, or even further in terms of academic um, qualifications but i think inevitably for example when i'm hiring people to work for me um, technical skills are a given aren't they it is it is your ability to have the right behaviors empathy and feel for the environments you're in and the ability to make a difference often in my sport with limited contact time um, and I guess there are some who either naturally or through their vocational background really have those skills and others who don't have them to as great a degree or on a lesser point in their journey towards getting those. Um, but I guess, yeah, hopefully that answers the question. Yeah, uh, David, I want to ask you, and you guys are both speaking in from sort of the physio perspective with, you know, a high performance and strength and conditioning lens to it. You know, how is you know, coming from Australia, how is that connection between the sports medicine, uh, physical therapy uh, area and the high performance strength and conditioning field? How do you view that? I think in Australia, the, the connection between sports medicine and strength and conditioning is, is reasonably mature. And I think that it's the same in the UK and and New Zealand and, and a number of other countries as well. So we've had a couple of decades of, of integration, but there's still friction and there's still competition between the various different uh, aspects. But I think most people have signed up to the, the high performance um, way of thinking of uh, integrated and interdisciplinary team viewing a performance problem and, and trying to get performance solutions to those performance problems. I guess that's the role of the high performance manager or the high performance director to be able to, to know which, um, which, which instrument needs to, to tune up and tune down a bit like a conductor, you know? So I think, I think it's reasonably mature here. Um, and I'm certainly seeing it evolve. Dan and I are lucky enough to travel around the world and see different, different institutions and different organizations and different teams. And we're, we're certainly seeing a strong trend towards this collaborative working, no doubt. Uh, you know, I, I really like that, uh, that thought process. And I think it really applies here today coming out of the professional baseball world. You know, we, for a long time, we've had to work hand in hand with our athletic trainers to optimize our performance environments. And one thing we've seen here, I think this connects to college athletics and, and even the global landscape of performances, we're highly specialized now in a number of these different areas. And the chapters that you uh, included in your book really speaks to that. I think it's, I think it's really interesting and it's great that coming in from the sports medicine side, maybe originally, you've been able to bring together, you know, all these topics. And, and I think of sports science, you know, as the NSCA moves forward with new sports science initiatives as a, as a unifier 
across these different disciplines, across uh, further connecting the performance community with the sports medicine health uh, aspects, uh, better integrating nutrition, sleep, recovery, all these different areas. That's really the the goal of the NSCA and in trying to forge ahead in some new areas that that we haven't been in the past. Uh, so it's really exciting to see a book like yours that uh, has such an international author list, has such a broad list of topics, and really takes on the difficult questions. I, I, I really have enjoyed uh, diving in so far. I still have a little bit more reading to do. And uh, I want to wrap up with Dan, I want to ask you, you know, how should people approach this, this text? You know, how, should, how do you expect someone to pick up the book and, and, and approach it? And maybe what would be the wrong way to approach it? Good question. I, I guess for me, um, if I'm picking up the book, naturally, I'm going to gravitate to some stuff which is of interest and pertinence to me. So, for example, currently, mental health and well-being, I'm probably going to read that chapter first. Um, and I think if you're picking up the book for the first time, there are always going to be areas of greater interest to you. But I, I guess the, the mistake you could make is just focusing in on your own technical areas of uh, excellence or interest. I think the value, as you describe, is gaining a generalist knowledge across all areas. Uh, I think that's really important because it enables you to have better conversations, as you've described, across different domains, disciplines, technical experts, which I think is really important. And inevitably, there'll be wisdoms, hopefully, throughout the piece that add value to what you do day to day in whatever context you work in. Um, so I think that's the way I would choose to use it. And, and I guess the other thing to say is, as, as biased as Joycey and I are about this book, you know, this this is only one text. And I, and I guess, um, hopefully, as I say, as Joyce said, it's um, it's an eclectic mix of, of best practice, of genuine kind of world-class wisdom. Um, but as we said earlier in the piece, the point around personal experiences and personal development and learning and reflection ultimately is, is also key in terms of your own journey as you work your way through the ranks. David, how about you? What advice do you have for readers? Uh, look, there's, I think Dan summed it up. I guess that the, you, you, could, you could read it from page one to page 433, um, but we don't think that that, well, so the way I would learn it would not be that. I would go, what's my pressing need at the moment, right? Well, I need to get my, my athletes more agile. So I'll start there, but know that no aspect of performance sits as an island. Everything is interconnected. Everything is interconnected. So there's a there's a good chance that you'll you'll read um, Sophie Nymphius's uh, agility chapter and, and she'll mention movement agility or um, movement um, efficiency. Sorry, and so you'll go, oh right, well I better read Matt Jordan's chapter about movement efficiency. And then you go, well movement efficiency can't really exist unless you've got um, uh, good strength. So you read, you know, Eamon Flanagan's thing about that and, and putting it all together. So I, I imagine for a reader, and it would depend on their individual context as to their starting point, but I imagine that um, if they're anything like me, they will jump from chapter to chapter all over the place and, you know, dive in bits here and dive in bits there because what um, I think that's more reflective of the way we learn and and the fact that performance is an outcome of 
of a output of a complex system. And the, the reason we put it in chapters is simply because in books, that's what you have to do. <laughs> um, you know, the, the reality is that life doesn't work and certainly performance doesn't work in chapter one, chapter two, da, 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 da. but that's just the, the format that we have. Um, but that's not to say that the reader needs to read it that way. That's just the way we have to publish it. So that's high performance training for sports. Uh, and I want to give you both a chance. If people want to reach out, ask you questions and connect, uh, what's the best contact information for you? Uh, Dan, let's start with you. Uh, Twitter is good at Dan Lewinden, uh, LinkedIn, Dan Lewinden, um, email, always happy, Dan Lewinden at Mac.com. Perfect. How about you, David? Uh, Twitter at David G Joyce and probably LinkedIn is probably another, another good one. So yeah, re really happy to engage. And, and one of the things that we find just absolutely delightful is when people get the book and, and put um, pictures of it up on, on social media and, and talk about what they like. And that is genuinely, that's, that's the best payment that we get. Like books don't make you rich at all. And I'm sure you know that, um, Eric, but I guess the, the payment for us is being able to see the, the value that it's getting around the world, you know, whether it's in, in the States, in Sweden, in, in Brazil or, or whatever. So, and the chance to connect with people like yourself and organisations like the NSCA have been, you know, just the, 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 the cherry on the top for us. So um, thanks for the opportunity. It's been fun talking about it. You spoke to the, the why, why this book got started, how, how the topics came together. And, and I think that really connects with people. So uh, David, Dan, I really appreciate you taking the time today to our listeners. Thanks for tuning in. And we'd also like to thank Soranax exercise equipment. We appreciate their support from the NSCA. Thank you for listening to the NSCA coaching podcast. We serve you the coaching community. So follow, subscribe and download for future episodes. We look forward to connecting with you again soon and hope you'll join us at an upcoming NSCA event or in one of our special interest groups. For more information, go to NSCA.com. This was the NSCA's coaching podcast. The National Strength and Conditioning Association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information, resources, and help advance the profession. Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. Be sure to join us next time.